We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Welcome in, welcome in. It is Tuesday night, I think, at uh, October 11th, and it's time for an episode of Building Breakfast with the Broncos for dinner. I that. Welcome in. Uh, this is Building the Broncos, but it's Scott and I, your Broncos for Breakfast crew here. Carl had a work uh, obligation today, so Scott is graciously filling in, and uh, we're double duty today. Scott, uh, good to see you again. I felt like we just saw each other. Well, I figured I was going to be here anyway. I might as well hop on and, uh, and and say some stuff. We had a lot of stuff we wanted to talk about this morning, and we were like, hey, we can save that for tonight. So yep. we did. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so lot to talk about still we can still talk a little bit about what we're talking about this morning too with the offensive line reshuffling and we got some news to get into today as well Mm -hmm. so um before we get started though guys be like marcus watson over on facebook drop that like button share subscribe uh before we get going and let's say hello to some people talking about sharing and subscribing dylan von arks in the house saying sup broncos country make sure you guys hit the like button on the way in share on all platforms and subscribe if you haven't already Diamond Rattler probably in the middle of some uh, gym sets right now saying, boom, let's go. No panic button yet. Got to give the team another four to five games. Yeah, I think I'm I'm, uh, greasing the panic button right now, you know, making sure that it's not like stuck or anything. I guess panic button in Broncos country is not stuck given how many times we've had to hit it over the last few seasons. But uh, I'm not full on hitting the panic button. I guess I'm hitting the panic button as when it comes to injuries. I'm not hitting the panic button when it comes to giving up on this team this season. But uh, absolutely good to see a diamond. But I think I think that's what it says. If we want to get into the topic of the show, since there it is from Diamond Rattler, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it depends on your definition of panic is panic is because basically not panicking means I trust the process. I want to stay the course. A drastic change, I think, is needed. That's what a panic is, is okay. I'm worried that this isn't going to work and it's not going to work unless I change something drastically. Yeah, I'm hitting that button, and it, it's probably going to be on the offensive line. Um, I want to come in, and I want to switch out three starters on my OL, um, and, it, and it's going to happen that way. You know, if everybody's healthy, you might have three new ones on the OL. You know, whether you define that as panicking or not, it might have happened anyway, but that is a drastic change because I don't get the feeling this is going to work the way it is. Am I ready to say, okay, give up? I give up. That's panicking. That's not, that's, that's, that's surrender. 
That's not yeah. panic. That's surrender. No, I'm not mm -hmm. ready to surrender on this team, but I do think there's some drastic changes that need to happen because I don't think the status quo is trending in the right direction. Yeah, and it's the question, I guess, for me, you saying that right now is what changes can you make? You and I are very much both a personnel over scheme and execution. You know, the, the guys in the field win the football games more times than not, rather than, you know, the players with the guys in the heads uh, or the guys on the sideline with the headsets. What can be done with this team right now that can keep you from hitting a panic? I mean, you can say you move things around, but what what are moves that are just what are moves that you wouldn't categorize as doing something just to do something? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not again, I wouldn't even call this necessarily panic, but am I worried enough to say, okay, I want to I want to move Cam Fleming over to left tackle? I'm very interested in Natane Moody at left guard, Glasgow at center, where we saw him in the preseason look okay, Quinn Miners and Billy Turner. That's pretty damn drastic. Yeah. But does it because it's been so bad that does like, well, Scott, that doesn't sound drastic. That sounds pretty logical. Yeah, but to, to, to swap out that many starters on the offensive line in week six is drastic. It, yeah. it is. Um, you know, you, you might say, well, some of those guys were supposed to be starters anyway. But again, that's that becomes a drastic change for me when you start talking about all those people. And uh, drastic out here. Run alone on my coffee here, Patrick. No, I'm just kidding. I still got a whole other <laughs> bag of Kona. Uh, Patrick uh, coming in over from Hawaii saying, can we have Manning as a quarterback consultant? Continues on here saying, sniffing the playoffs here would be a ton better. Making as a dream this season. Also says, anyway, good evening, Nick and Scott. Good to see you, Patrick. I'm just razzing you. Um, really still appreciating the Lion Coffee out there. And uh, great to see you. I think that sniffing the playoffs making the playoffs is still not a dream. There are a lot of mediocre teams in the AFC right now and the Broncos, if they can figure out the run game uh, and play off of the run game with the defense, the way it is, you got a chance to win some football games still, but your margin for error has gotten extremely small. And the offense, Russell Wilson, red zone offense, third down offense, got to be better. Uh, speaking about getting better in here, Andrew Lampy coming in with the support. I think another new profile picture there uh, coming from Andrew saying, Hel hello, Still got nothing. Oh, well, that's okay, Andrew. We appreciate you coming in. And we also got Randy uh, and Carr coming in over on Facebook with the, I think it's a Steve Atwater picture there, zoomed in uh, the, like, with a Hall of Fame vote uh, picture on it. So hello, uh, Randy. Good to see you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you. I also see our guy, Andrew Baker, is in the house, always supporting us big time, saying, sub Nick, Scott, and fam. It's a hard question with so many things going wrong, but what is the biggest problem the Broncos have right now? Scott and I, I think, disagree a little bit on this. And I, I think so. I think the biggest problem right now is that Russell Wilson isn't playing at a high level, uh, whether it be the reads and the shoulder injury. I mean, he's leaving he's leaving some plays on the field and also not executing the red zone. I mean, when the Broncos are as bad as they are in the red zone in the third down, yes, the players around them, the scheme, the offensive line, that all plays into it. But your quarterback has like a – you talked about – we had a physics lesson this morning where Scott dropped the uh, mass equal – or uh, momentum <laughs> equals mass times velocity squared. The quarterback is the exponential variable here. So uh, – I think if you have the offensive line get better, guys not dropping passes, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, the biggest problem is probably the quarterback versus expectations for what you brought him in with. I think that's an effect, not necessarily a cause. So therefore, yeah, I think we would disagree slightly on that because I think part of the reason he's not playing well is because the offensive line has been so poor in front of him. You end up, <clears throat> you end up not trusting your reads, not trusting the time in the pocket. 
Um, you, you're, you're panicky. Speaking of panic, you know, you get a quarterback who's shell shocked back there. I, I think better offensive line play, you get better play from your quarterback. I think Russell Wilson playing poorly is an effect, not a cause. So therefore, I want to go up the chain a little bit more and say that the cause, the root problem right here is the is the offensive line play has been atrocious. Yeah, and it has been really bad. And thank you so much for coming in, Andrew. Uh, did you happen to see the, so there's a Ben, uh, Ben Baldwin is his name on Twitter. He does a lot of football analytics and he does like a trench piece uh, mm-hmm. every week, kind of showing where they at. Did you see where the Broncos were ranked? On all four, on all four of them, on run blocking, run defense, you know, on run block, pass block, pass rush and run defense. I'd buy pass rush. Undefeated. Okay, yeah. I, I would think this team is unbeaten based yeah. on those metrics. So therefore I know something's wrong with the metrics. <laughs> yeah. I would buy the pass rush one uh, so far this season. It seems like the Broncos have been getting pressure almost at will, which is incredible compared to last season. And the run defense outside of the Raiders game has been, I think, pretty good. Uh, but the pass protection and specifically the run blocking metric uh, that they spat out there makes, I mean, I had to like rub my eyes a few times. Like, oh, is this, according to ESPN's run block win rate, a top three run blocking unit? Well, I don't it- see that. If you only do a five-game sample size, the the Colts game alone was bad enough in pass protection on both sides that it should have skewed everything. The teams were getting to the quarterback at will. Baron Browning had six quarterback hits. Six in one game. I mean, that's a month for a lot of guys. Hell, that's two seasons for a couple guys I've watched. Um, You know, so I I think would think that would be enough to skew anything either direction. And the Colts, the Colts we're just as easily getting to Russell Wilson. So, you know, where your pass blocking comes in. Now, I, we did see the the Broncos have success running the ball at, at times this season. We've seen it. Um, but when it comes time to, you know, third and eight, man, I don't trust any kind of pass protection in there unless you're doubling, going to, uh, you know, a, a double tight max protect with two in the route, you know, and yeah. that's, and even then, then it's then it's questionable. Then you're you're ending up with you know Lloyd Cushenberry in your lap because you're dropping back in the pocket and, and he's getting blown straight backwards. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, I, I just rubbed my eyes, could not believe that uh, metric. And I, you know, like using the the metrics as a guide. Uh, sometimes I'll see if they match uh, what my eyes are telling me. I guess that's the definition of confirmation bias. But that one is uh, crazy to me because the Broncos run uh, run blocking right now, specifically the interior looks like they're, you know, running into a wall. And uh, we got Dave Glassman coming in saying, what is the over-under for when Walter Penner gets involved? I don't think, unless there's like massive institutional, a lack of institutional control in the locker room, I don't think you see anything about Walter Penner getting involved in the football operations side of things until the offseason. At that point, you know, you have a lot of downtime between then. Uh, You have time to more assess things. You can put the people you put put in positions of power to get their assessment on it. But this offseason, if things continue the way they are, there'll be some uh, shakeups, no doubt. I, I agree. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't expect anything. You know, we were talking about this morning. You know, I can't be that. That I can't believe we're having this discussion about replacing Nathaniel Hackett after five games. You know, no way does he move on after someone said. No way do they move on after his his hire, his first hire as a head coach after one season. Uh uh-uh. uh No no. Uh, if this, you know, if you extrapolate this over the course of a year, if you take this two and three and turn it into seven and 10 or six and 11 hack, it's gone. The, yeah. pro- the buyout will not be a problem for, for that contract. Hack it, hack it would be gone. So um, is it time to, to panic again? It's, it's how you d- describe the word and what you think of as panicking. Um, I'd, I'd be pretty worried. I'd be, if, if, if I think that six and 11 is a reality, am I panicking? I'm pretty nervous about it. I'll tell you mm-hmm. that. Is seven and ten a reality? Yes, it is. Does that make you? Does that scare the crap out of you? Yeah, it should. <laughs> it should, because yeah. it is a reality. Because like, um, someone else is. I think it was Money More comes in here and thanks for the stars, Dave. Appreciate you always coming in. Uh, Money More comes in. He says injuries are my big issue, and that's the problem. You know, how are you supposed to gel and get better and improve when all these things? Now we've got some news. Some guys are coming back. That's good, but for every one that, that you're counting on as a starter to come back, you're losing two guys for the season. It's that's it's scary. It it it's it 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 makes you wonder how is this team going to reach the type of season that you're expecting coming in when yeah. you can't get guys on the field. It's tough. Yeah, yeah and it's really tough too because the lost season stuff. You know, we talk about that. <laughs> at least at the end of the year, we've had the ability to look towards April and the uh, draft, but not this year. But Still, long way to go. A lot of football left to get it figured out. This team is far from dead. You know, the what is what is the Mark Twain uh, quote? The reports of my death were greatly exaggerated. Let's hopefully be having that here uh, in a few weeks. We got Jacob Foster coming in here with the support over on Facebook. Thank you so much, Jacob. We appreciate you. One of our key silent ones, Jeff Noise in the house. Hello, Nick Scott Dillon, all of Broncos country. Good to see you, Jeff. We also got orange colored glasses saying, how's it, Broncos country? Good to see you, orange colored glasses. And Michaela says, Good evening, guys. Good to see you, Michaela. And she also drops a super chat here, $5 over on YouTube, uh, saying, do you guys think Cushenberry will remain the start of the full season? I wonder what it'll take to make the change at the center position. What do you think, Scott? I think he will be the starter. I mean, this is just my my cynicism kicking in. Um, but yes, I think he will be the starter for the full season. Uh, mm-hmm. What it will it take to make a change at center? An injury. It, it would take an injury right now. Um Quinn Miners was drafted as a center, and they they scrapped that experiment quickly. So I don't think that's going to happen. It would have to be Graham Glasgow, 
who I think holds up better at the point of attack. I don't think. I know. I know he holds up better at the point of attack um, than than Cushenberry. You might miss some of the mobility, but he hopefully wouldn't be driven three, four yards into the backfield because, you know, what good is being able to get to the second level if I can't if I can't block the guy in front of me when it matters? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I think that if you do see a switch at the center position, so first you're going to see, I believe you're going to see Billy Turner and Quinn Miners be re-injected, or Quinn Miners re-injected in the starting offensive line. Billy Turner for the first time uh, for the Broncos this season at right tackle. And we'll see about left tackle. I've heard some rumblings about Cam Fleming. I do think that that's not, you know, written in stone yet with left tackle, especially uh, with the week of practice coming up. Maybe Calvin Anderson shows better there than Fleming. We'll, we'll find out. But uh, if at come the bye week and the offensive line is still struggling, you're going to have some questions there. Maybe that's when you see a chance of Graham Glasgow getting pushed over to center. Maybe Russell Wilson gives the okay then uh, for the six foot six uh, Graham Glasgow to play center versus the six, three Lloyd Cushenberry. And also you could see some movement with uh, Dalton Reisner um, maybe benched as well. Maybe they move Cam Fleming to left guard in that situation. Maybe it's Tom Compton. I mean, you have some options here uh, with these pieces, luckily that I don't think the offensive line is going to get that much better this season, losing Garrett Bowles, who is not playing great, but still competent. Uh, so we'll find out, but the offensive line really does uh, need to turn around here. And Paul's saying, I'll panic if Miners and Turner don't improve us when playing. Hopefully they'll improve, and spe- specifically on the interior offensive line. But, you know, Turner, uh, Miners, and Compton as well. Those are some guys who can contribute in the, the run game, hopefully. But I think, you know, everybody's been excited for Turner to get back. Scott, I think that Turner probably could have played two weeks ago, even if they really had to. But I think they've been, and I've been, pleasantly surprised with Fleming. Now, is he a difference maker at right tackle? No, but since Miners went down, he's probably been your best run blocker on the entire unit. And uh, he has not been dreadful in the past game. So, okay. So explain the guard position to me then. I think that they're going to put Turner in there and move Fleming to left tackle. And if he struggles at left tackle, maybe you move Turner to left guard. Um, I know that there were some rumblings about Fleming going to uh, right guard when Bowles was healthy and Turner was coming back and Glasgow was really struggling. Um, but uh, yeah. Fle- the, I've been impressed with Fleming. It sounds like they've been pretty impressed with Fleming as well. Yeah, he played in as, as recently as 2019. He played a thousand snaps at right guard and he yeah. played left guard in Denver. Okay. Yeah. So Billy Turner has played both guard positions. Mm -hmm. Explain to me if he's, if he's healthy and you brought him into play. Okay. Fleming's been okay at right tackle. All right. Graham Glasgow has not been okay at right guard and Dalton Reisner has not been okay at left guard. So if, if this guy's healthy and he's not better than what you've got, that was a miss of gigantic proportions signing him to begin with. One, he's injured Two, He's not any good. Man, that's a double freaking whammy. So I uh, yeah. want to say hi to Chad. Chad Montana coming in. Said, been listening for years. First time I found the live feed. Well, we're glad you're here. Love the show. Gives a little hang loose. And he's uh, he's on the – he's ready for a change. He's ready for a change. Now, I'm not – again, on the panic button, I think there is reason to believe that Nathaniel Hackett can get much better. I think this team can get much better. Um, but you're – we're banking on things that we that are unknowns. You know how how mm-hmm. how good is Quinn Miners going to be when he gets back? He's been out six weeks. You know, is he going to be the Quinn Miners from week one, or is he going to be a lesser version of himself because he's been hurt? I mean, it's hard to get in there and do squats 
you know, and, and maintain your, the, the power in your core when you're, you, you've got a bum wheel. Um, so we'll see, you know, Billy Turner, how much is he going to help? Is Tom Compton ever going to come in and play? Mm-hmm. Um, that would help a lot. Isn't it? Muti, what's he doing to, to get better? You know, he's, he started some games last year. He's been a practice squad guy this year. What can yeah. he do to get better? You know, we're, we're, we're depending, we're counting on a lot of unknowns, which again is not great. Yes, it is. Uh, very injured team this year, unfortunately. But the Broncos have the most salary cap in the NFL on the injured reserve list. I guess they did maybe before uh, today because they had some activations go on. Uh, but we have Daddy coming in here saying Russ needs to stay in the pocket and be okay to take a hit. Looks scared to take a hit. He panics. He's not acting like the same Russ. Hopefully it's from the injury. I think part of it's the injury. Part mm-hmm. of it is not trusting uh, what he's seeing and uh, not trusting his receivers. Totally. I mean, the Broncos are dropping a lot of footballs. Uh, so far this season. And I mean, just watching the tape, it seems like he is pretty much set pre-snap in a lot of plays that he's going to Cortland Sutton. Now that's not the worst thing in the world, but when you have, you know, cover one or match quarters with uh, two safeties on one side and one on the other, he's just making, making the wrong read a lot, locking in on uh, Cortland Sutton, which, you know, Cortland Sutton's incredible, but you probably need to work Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler in there. Uh, more and more to get this offense really going. So teams don't uh, continue to roll coverage to Cortland Sutton, get some explosives in there. Uh, Seth Harmon, 199 saying, who's the most improved player from last season? Uh, Scott, this is your year two on here. So you, I think you have a unique perspective on, uh, on this com- comment. Yeah. Appreciate the, the super chat, Seth coming in. And immediately the person that came to mind was arguably your best player. It's Patrick Sertan. Um, mm-hmm. For wow. me, that was a guy who came in, you know, who has improved from, from one year to the next, uh, my next my next candidate might be uh, Cortland Sutton, who looks fully fully recovered from a, a really bad knee injury. We talked about that last year. For a a, tw- a quick twitch player, it can take eighteen months to be fully recovered from an ACL, and he's back. He looks fantastic. But uh, you know, the leap from freshman to sophomore season for Pat Sertan is from very good as a rookie to potential first mm-hmm. team All Pro. Uh, and for me, that's, that's, uh, that would be number one for me. Yeah. Sutton's a great call just because of the injury there. Um, I'm going to call out a few standouts in the, um, from the 2021 class, uh, here that have looked improved from last season. Now, one of this is kind of cheating cause he's playing an entirely new position, but Baron Browning looks freaking legit mm-hmm. at edge. I mean, good, the, shout. The, good shout the Randy Gregory, you're missing him for a few weeks and like, Oh man, the Broncos pass rush has been probably the best part of the whole team uh, as a unit so far this season, losing Gregory, who is forcing fumbles and getting pressures like crazy at a really good rate. Uh, what's it going to look like with Browning getting uh, out there now? Granted the Colts tackles are absolutely dreadful. We'll see if that continues against the chargers this week, but Browning is a good one. And also uh, Caden Stearns, I think has really stepped up this season. He had flashes last year, but coming in for, Justin Simmons, and I know there's some Broncos fans, you know, joke, oh man, just didn't miss a beat uh, with Justin Simmons being out Caden Stearns, trade trade Simmons, save some money there or something, or get draft capital for him. Don't do that, but I think that there is a, I believe at least, there should be a conversation in the Valley about Caden Stearns, Justin Simmons being the starters with Kareem Jackson being your first safety off the bench, mm-hmm. just to get some more athleticism out there. Now, I know you do lose a little bit of down the alley physicality uh, in the run game and big hits from that. But Stearns can lay the wood as well. And I think you have a little bit more 
ball skills and athletic athleticism adding Stearns back there. And, and also the, f- the future's now, man. And you, you've, you've got more security. I think, you know, I may get a, the kamikaze hit every so often, but I'm also going to get overrunning a play a little mm-hmm. more often. You know, we mentioned that yeah. last week, two weeks ago with, uh, with Josh Jacobs, you know, you're asking me, it's like, Hey, I didn't get to see it. I haven't watched the game yet. What do you think? I'm like, this was the game. You really miss Justin Simmons. Yeah. You know, the, the seven yard gains were turning into 25 yard gains because your safety play wasn't what you needed it to be. You're, you're missing a pro bowl safety back there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're not missing Cody. Cody W. coming in, coming in green with the super chat on YouTube. Thank you, Cody. Uh, the OL, you got Cush being the shortest at 6'3". Being 5'10 with 6'3 plus, six, plus guys a yard in front of you because they get push, push back, need OL bad. Exactly. You know, when I made that point the other day, Cody, it's like, okay, well, Graham Glasgow's tall. So, so what? Uh, I'd rather have him be tall and I can get a five-step drop and have him still be at the line of scrimmage rather than have a, a shorter guy in my lap after I set my plant foot to, to throw the ball in my five-step drop. You know, let's 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 be serious here. Let's let's get our priorities straight. What good is having a guy I can see over if I can't see over him because he's in my lap? So yeah. it's it's the center the center's been a problem. It's been a big problem. And what's frustrating, Nick, is it's been a problem since he started playing. This isn't yeah. a new occurrence. You know, Lloyd Cushenberry is like, oh, we're not we're not sitting around asking what happened with Lloyd Cushenberry. My God. Yeah. This is who he's always been. Okay. That's the definition of insanity, y'all. This is this is who he is. Yeah. I think he's regressed since last year, too, in this early sample size. Now, part of that is asking him to reach block more in the outside zone, which he just can't do. Um, but, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see. The interior offensive line has a lot of work to do. We got Miguel Santa-Steven coming in saying, evening, gents. Good to see you. Hope you're doing well. Uh, Silent One coming in saying, it was understandable why we expected so much from Russ due to his first 10 years. What I don't understand is why anyone has unrealistic, unrealistic expectations for this ownership group. Uh, there's no, there's nothing to base the expectations on. You know, they run a big team and they're wealthy, but these are not, these have not been football people. So just kind of wait and see, and hopefully they throw money at it. You don't want them to be too involved, but I think they are going to finance this team uh, quite well. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I've seen you, the comment in here a little bit, silent one. It's like, what, ex, what expectations do you have for ownership? I don't, I really don't understand that. I'm like, Okay, that they can that you'll have the cash to buy out contracts, you know, to extend when you need to, to maybe give a big signing bonus. And that's about it. You know, as far as them coming in and saving you, no, you need football people for that. You need George Payton to come in and and work some magic and fill some holes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, but then you start asking, it's like, wait a minute, some of the problems, you know, are, are at his feet. Not all of them, of course. He's done a, a, overall a, still a really good job, but the offensive line is is at his feet. You know, he they he went in went into this year and didn't do enough to address the offensive line when you had money to do it. And that's two years in a row, really, Nick, that that especially at right tackle, you know, last year, oh, we've got all this salary cap room. So what? You know, if you don't if you're not spending it, then so what? Uh, you know, when you're when you're going after some retread right tackles, you should be able to do better than that. Yeah. It's not been great. Uh, we got Dolph World coming in here saying, when is Josie Jewell to be back? Actually got some news on the injury front here uh, today. So the Broncos actually had uh, activated three players, um, designated three players for return uh, from injury reserve. So reinforcements are coming. Uh, third round rookie pick, I believe 80th overall selection, Greg Dulcich. Uh, had, is designated to return and was practicing uh, today. Justin Simmons, everybody knows him, starting safety, all pro safety. Justin Simmons designated to return and also potentially starting cornerback uh, this week against the Chargers. Michael Ojemudia uh, suffered a quad or excuse me, a hamstring injury and is back now. Uh, also, some other Broncos players the who same were injury as last year. He reaggravated the same one. Or, uh, I didn't think a, that was a hamstring again. Okay, maybe it's not a hamstring. Um, I'll have to, you'll have to check that that voodoo hamstring last year that kept him out pretty much the entire season. Maybe it was a quad. No, no, I don't remember. Um, I'll have to look it up. Uh, other guys though, practicing today. And I actually have the injury, uh, on this one. Baron Browning was practicing today. Uh, Jonathan Cooper's had a hamstring injury. He's back practicing Aaron Patrick, a special team standout missed last week, practicing again after a concussion and PJ Locke also practicing today. Unfortunately, with all that positive news, guys who were, on the side working out, which typically is an indicator that they are 50-50 to play this week. You have Eric Saubert, uh, tight end. You have Mike Purcell, the nose tackle, who was pretty good. And, I mean, th- you saw what is it? Austin Eckler ran for like 160 yards this week. You might want Purcell out there. Mike Boone uh, practicing on the side of the field today. Josie Jewell week to week. And Damari Mathis also. So not only did you lose Ronald Darby last week, but uh, Damari Mathis is apparently injured and working through some things as well. So, and, and hopefully some of that Nick is just, okay, we've got a few extra days, take a couple days off, mm-hmm. you know, that if it was game time, we wouldn't be hearing about these so much, but Benji clay comes in talking about injuries and stuff. He says too bad. We can't tank because the Seahawks, ha- the Seahawks, Seahawks, Seahawks have all our draft capital. Can we focus on starting a petition to switch to national grass fields? Too many injuries. I didn't even notice. So the Broncos playing on plastic. I, I thought it was, I, I normally I would think you know while I was there, I didn't notice that it was plastic. I thought it was natural grass. Is is is, is that one on? Is it plastic there? I honestly do not know. Uh, no clue. Uh, everybody should be playing on natural grass, though. I mean, God, it's yeah. Deep. There's a, there's enough know. money in it. International footballers, <clears throat> FIFA won't allow you to play on plastic, so you're you're not even allowed to play on that stuff. And when some of the older stars come to the MLS and they come to the United States, they won't play on it. So they'll, they'll sit themselves out and that doesn't have near the impact that football does for God's sakes. So yeah. it's a, it's, it's a real thing. It's gotten better. We'll, 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 you know, if, if any of y'all are old enough to remember the old Astro turf, which was just carpet on concrete, that stuff was brutal, brutal. So it has improved, but it's still, Oh, who was it? Bear Bryant that said if the grass, you know, if the cows can't eat it, I don't want to play on it. Um, I I'm, I'm kind of with them on that at, at this level with this much money involved and at stake. 
play on play on the real stuff play on the real stuff it's much safer for your players it's a much safer investment i get it at the youth level where you know the the rainouts and everything become a problem where you want to keep the kids on the field as much as possible um and the fields are used so much that you cannot keep the practice the the fields you know green because they get worn out no excuse at this level with this much money i'm with you on this benji yeah, totally. And it was an elbow injury uh, for from for Ojemudi. That's right. So. He got that hyperextension, the same that Jonas did. That's yep. right. When he was reaching, he got bent back. That's right. Yeah, I think week one or against the Bills, something like that. But uh, he's back and full on practicing. So hopefully he will be uh, a little bit better there this uh, this week. So hopefully see him uh, contribute and uh, making sure we don't have any other supers that we missed while we were talking here. Man, you guys are killing it right now. Oh, missed that one. Let's uh, block this person real quick. There we go. Gary Leeds Palmer, the notorious GLP. Good to see you saying, hey, guys, I just watched Broncos for breakfast and glad I did. Love your guys' takes. Well, we love you, Gary. It's always good to gas us up um, first. Good to, good to double, good to double, double time it uh, yeah. this, this weekend, today, yeah. whatever, Tuesday. What year is it? Uh, first to admit, I bought into the Super Bowl hype. Uh, so taking a longer view, go Broncos. You know, it's it's OK. And, you know, this team seems like right now there are. Would you say three really, really powerful teams in the NFL right now in the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Eagles? Question mark. I mean, the Eagles, Eagles trenches maybe. are just yeah, incredible. Eagles, Eagles just maybe whipping teams in the trenches. Yeah, uh, so. I, I might go. I might, I might go that way because you start looking at some of the other teams. Um, you know, they're in there, and they all have big question marks. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, San Francisco 49ers look good at times. Well, we saw the San Francisco 49ers in Denver. Mm-hmm. they're vulnerable for God's sakes. Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, eh. you know, watch out for the Rams when they decide to get serious, you know, and, and start playing again. That could be uh that could be a team to, you know, but they, they've got to survive this poor stretch that they're in right now. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't count them out just yet. How the Cowboys are playing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cooper rush is uh their defense is doing really well. They just have, they're the Broncos, which we wish they were with, somewhat of a competent offense, the great defense going on there. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a little bit rough so far. And we got Cristiano coming in here saying evening guys. Oh, the giants also four and one crazy uh, evening guys. Appreciate your time. Uh, panic level on the verge. Still holding up, believe in hacking and rust clicking. They must shake up the offensive line though. They just got to get more efficient running the football. Uh, I have some data here. I shared it with Scott earlier. So this morning we talked to Tad about man, just how terrible uh, the Broncos have been on third downs and in the red zone uh, so far this season. And we were talking about it like, well, it feels like the Broncos are constantly in third and seven or longer. And the Broncos third and seven or longer this season have the worst conversion percentage in football. So no, I don't, not only is it constant, but it is the worst in football. This is from Nate Tice over at the athletic uh, son, of former longtime offensive line coach and NFL coach, Mike Tice. If that name rings a bell to any of you at home. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Nate Tice says the Broncos are 32nd in the NFL on conversion percentage of third and seven plus at 9.8%. And the NFL average is 24.5%. So not only is it a lot, but they are horrible at, it. I mean, chiefs are at 52% with the Broncos at 9.8. 
unbelievable discrepancy there. And talk about the percentage being bad. The count is also bad. The Broncos have faced third and seven plus yards 41 times this season, have only converted four of them, and the league average of third and seven plus is 29. So the Broncos are seeing them way more often, and they are worse against them as well. It's another reason that, you know, third and seven, that is, to me, more of a quarterback and scheme uh, issue. Now, the fact that they've had so many third and sevens, that's offensive line, but the conversion of them is quarterback pass game scheme not getting it done you say that though but again if i've got farther to go i need more time to get beyond the sticks to convert yeah i mean yeah it's, it's all connected it's, it's football right it's, <laughs> it's not it's not fair because basically every problem you point to i'm going to point to why it's the offensive line that having a poor offensive line is a problem oh, is, yeah. a, is a cause for that absolutely you know, it's like okay well you should convert better on third and seven. That's on the receivers and the and the quarterbacks. Unless they don't have any time, you yeah. know. Unless you, you can't even get to eight yards down the field by the time your quarterback's under duress. And why are you in third and eight to begin with? Because you couldn't get any yards on first and second down. Why? Because your offensive line sucks. Like I know this is it, again. I said before it's 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 a dead horse issue, but there there has to be some shakeup on this OL. It, there just has to be. We can't say. You know, if it was Wattenberg, if it was Wattenberg in its center right now, I'd say, okay, this is a rookie. I expect things to improve. I expect him to get better week to week to week. He's a, he's a young guy. Um, but at this point, Cushenberry, Reisner, Glasgow on your interior, what makes anybody think those three are going to get any better? Hope. Cope, copium. Um, and just you know, talk about time to throw so far this season. Part of this is Russell Wilson's play, but... Uh, so far this season in time to throw seconds wise, Russell Wilson has the 10th longest uh, time to throw in the NFL. Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, Justin Herbert, Jacoby Brissett, Marcus Mariota, Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones, Justin Fields, and Zach Wilson above them. Part of that is the quarterback himself, you know, buying time, trying to step up, hanging in there. It's never just a pure, oh, look how much time he has. Well, quarterback holding on to the ball, maybe. I think Russ is also on pace to be sacked the most uh, times this season in his career for one single season. So again, it's all interconnected. That's what makes football so great. Uh, but with the quarterback, you get too much of the credit and too much of the blame. EJ coming in, talk about here. Let's give him some credit here. $25 coming in flashing orange for us. Thank you so much. EJ saying I'm late. That's okay. And watching from the beginning, but Fleming needs to go to guard. If he moves, uh, not across to left tackle, Calvin Anderson has shown good or better left tackle than Fleming has at right tackle. My two cents. There was like, I think, a one-game sample size two years ago where Calvin Anderson looked pretty good at left tackle versus the Carolina Panthers, who have, you know, Brian Burns is a damn good edge rusher, one of the better ones in football. But this is just me talking with some folks and, you know, little birdies and whatnot, but does not seem like those in Dove Valley are nearly as high on the prospects of Calvin Anderson as the general fan consensus seems to be. So... I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it plays out, but uh, he's had multiple chances to step up and run with an opportunity. And every time that happens, it seems like the coaches recoil at that and give it to somebody else. It, and we saw that happen at right tackle. And typically you don't say, Oh, he's not cutting it at right tackle. Let's try him at left tackle. It, it, it doesn't work that way. No. Uh, it works in reverse. It's like, okay, he doesn't quite have the feet, not quite the athleticism I need, the length I need at left tackle. Let's try him at right tackle. Doesn't it work at right tackle. You move him to guard, doesn't move guard. You're off the field. Um, so the idea that, okay, he's better at left than he is at right doesn't quite jive with my footballing scouting brain. 
Um, and the actions that we have seen this coaching staff take with Calvin Anderson is they don't want him on the field unless they, they absolutely have to. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, Jay coming in says, sounds like the Broncos are missing Mike Munchak on the offensive line. I don't think Mike Munchak was interested in coming in and working in a outside zone, wide zone centric offense. But the one that really, you know, chafes my chaps, I guess, if you will, is you have Chris Cooper, the offensive line coach over in Minnesota, doing great things uh, with the outside zone, which he ran really well here in Denver for a number of years, was the assistant offensive line coach in Denver, tutelage under Mike Munchak for two seasons. And that Minnesota offense, uh, Minnesota Vikings offensive line has really turned the corner out there. And um, how would you hire him though? He was already, uh, he was here. He, I think he even interviewed for the position. For, for offensive line coach? Yeah. He was okay. the assistant so offensive this, line this coach. This past season, because to me it sounded like it would have been a lateral move, which you know you don't make typically in the NFL if he's he, already offensive line coach at Min- with the Minnesota Vikings. He wasn't. And, uh, he was in Denver as the assistant offensive line coach underneath right, Munchak. When he went to Minnesota, that's what I'm asking. Did he go as an offensive line coach and you already had an offensive line coach in Mike Munchak? So by the time the spot opened up in Denver – he was already an OL coach. That's what I'm asking. The timeline on this. Uh, the timeline was Munchak and Cooper are both out of jobs with the new staff. Broncos bring in Butch Berry. Chris Cooper is a free agent and goes to the Minnesota okay. Vikings. So it was the same exact cycle. Cooper okay. goes to the Vikings and we get Butch Berry in Denver, who's good friends with Nathaniel Hackett. So that one's a little bit of a bummer. And he's back been this doing- morning. How come we don't hear more about Butch Berry? Because nobody knows who the hell the offensive line coaches are. <laughs> We do now, unfortunately, if we're talking about him, it's a bad thing. Yeah, um, I always, I think it was, like, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Bill Parcells um, used to say, who is the the most important coach that you have on your team? He says, well, if you have an offensive head coach, then your defensive coordinator is number, number one. Besides the head coach, if you have a defensive head coach, then your offensive coordinator is number one. But after that, regardless it's the offensive line coach. You have to have a good offensive line coach. I mean, there's a reason the Browns are paying ungodly money to uh, Bill Callahan out there. And uh, if your offensive line is th- to be able to get a unit, not pay a lot and have them play better as a sum of their parts than the individuals. I mean, that's when you have good teams uh, and good offenses. And it's not been the case so far this year for the Broncos. As a scout, I always said skill players were born. Linemen were built. Now mm-hmm. you have to have the, that's it, why it's harder. What positions are, <laughs> what positions are the harder? Yeah, the, the, yeah. the growth on them, but which positions are the hardest to scout from high school to college, you know, and beyond it, it was, it was quarterbacks in OL because the, their growth is so much different. You know, it's like, I, I can't necessarily project that guy at Northern Iowa who came in at six, three, 240 pounds and was a first round draft pick five years later, because he went to six, seven, 300 pounds and he's still running like he's 240. Um, that's, that's why those guys end up when you, when you're watching Monday night football and these guys are introducing themselves, you go skill players, LSU, Alabama, Ohio state, Michigan. Then you go to the offensive line, Northern Iowa, central Michigan, Akron, uh, you know, TCU, it it becomes off, off the, you know, off the grid a little bit. So having that coach, like you're saying, having that coach and the strength and conditioning is paramount for the, uh, for the the offensive lines yes it is yes it is uh, we got earl thompson coming in saying we're going to get things turned around i love the positivity here earl uh, says we got all the pieces but now it's going to put it all together i think things turned around next monday when we beat the chargers well earl we appreciate the positivity and the good juju coming in here broncos got a chance the chargers are a team that, i mean they 
there's only one team that can screw things up more than the Chargers on a week-to-week basis, and that is the Cleveland Browns. You think Nathaniel Hackett's on the hot seat. You know, everybody's kind of laughing and pointing at him, but there's a little bit of a different type of vibe uh, in Los Angeles right now with the Chargers. It's that uh, Brandon Staley is spoiling the Chargers. You know, everybody's all the media's preseason darling. Mine too, they're injured again, but Brandon Staley making questions, uh, raising questions with his competency of the head coach. Everybody's ready to dunk on Brandon Staley so that way this team can fully unleash their new son, uh, Justin Herbert, upon the world. So a lot of pressure there in uh, Los Angeles. Denver's had an extra three days. And also we all know um, when the Chargers have a home game, it's not really a home game. It looks like an exhibition out there with about a 50-50 spread of the fans. When you said screwing it up, I wasn't expecting you to say the Browns. I was expecting you to say the Raiders. The Raiders, Raiders have become know. the team that step on yeah. their their McDaniels you know a little more often these days than even the Browns. Yeah. Yep. The Browns too. Um, crazy, uh, <laughs> crazy team there. But we got Clayton here on coming in an evening, guys. Smash that like button on the way in. Let's ride. And uh, if you guys like Earl coming in there, not panicking. But uh, according to NFL, a recent article from Adam Sheen, uh, who's done a lot of good stuff with uh, NFL Network and NFL.com for a number of years. Uh, listed the Denver Broncos as the number one team in terms of time to panic in the NFL. And uh, he says from let Russ cook to is Russ cooked. This is a wild development, but the sentiment is valid. One of the most hyped offseason acquisitions in recent memory appears disastrous in the early goings as Russell Wilson looks nothing like the superstar who made nine pro bowls in 10 seasons with the Seahawks currently owning career low figures in completion percentage passer rating while the quarterbacks NFL second worst scoring offense uh, Wilson already has heard the boo birds from the fans in the mile high city. Russ is undergoing a procedure on his throwing shoulder uh, that should add uh, perspective to his struggles early on. But if Russ was compromised, it makes Nathaniel Hackett's ill-fated decision to throw the ball late. Yes. Uh, resulting in a slow crushing end zone pick even worse. Uh, speaking of the Broncos first year head coach, he looks completely overwhelmed by game management and play calling. Honestly, it feels like this becomes more apparent with each passing week. Broncos fans are going to erupt if they see another shotgun formation on third and fourth and short. Uh, at the time, love the yeah, hack and hire. Shout out to Bill and Don Arks, yeah. who's already mentioned that in the chat tonight. Yep. Um, and they said, love the hack and hire, but the young coach is treading towards one and done. Wilson's long-term Broncos gave him a big extension. And the way the contract is set up, they're going to have a hard time moving on from him before 2026. Uh, Broncos are currently mired, mired in the longest playoff drought since the 1970s. Their longest playoff drought. This is supposed to be a season Denver not only broke the six-year spell, but contended for a Lombardi trophy. Now this team is trying to keep its head above water. Can this team turn it around before everything, uh, before the season gets fully underway? So panic time. Yeah, number one on the panic list for uh, NFL. I've dropped that link in the chat when we start talking about it. I like to to, to share the, the source. So give, go ahead and give them a click. Give them the, you know, one time of one penny for, for, what, for reading. Um, but... Again, it depends on your your definition of panic. Does this team need a drastic change? I believe so. I do on, on the offensive line. Uh, panic meaning let's start Brett Rippon? No, not not that for me. Um, fire Nathaniel Hackett? No, that's you know is that is that the panic button? Is that the surrender button? You know that again that those are those are different for me. So um, you're you're really nervous the way the season is trending right now. Um, and if you're super nervous, that's not, that's bordering on panic. <laughs> that's kind of what panic is. I'm starting to I'm starting to get really worried about how things are going to the point of doing something irrational. 
Yeah, and it's just they're so close on offense. And if they could just squeak out a more competent uh, offense, the defense could pin their ears back and do some stuff. And we got uh, Barney Fumble coming in here, uh, Fubel coming in here saying Monday Hope. Uh, Monday Hope indeed. Thank you so much for the 20. Uh, it's definitely yeah, it's a, a very uh, Barney. That's a, a new name. I, yeah. I don't recognize the one. So appreciate you coming in and flashing orange for us on YouTube. So welcome. If you've got anything else you want to hit us up with, please do. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And bad game from Russell Wilson on Thursday, but the Broncos now have 11 days to get it right against a Chargers team that without Joey Bosa, JC Jackson looked horrible against the Browns this last week and a team that seems to be regressing to the mean fast. So I, I'm glad the Broncos uh, defense is going up against the Chargers best unit. And this is a Chargers defense that has not been great. Now, the thing about Brandon Staley's defense is he's a Vic Fangio disciple. As you all probably know, you're going to see a lot of two high safety shells, which Russell Wilson has struggled with more hunting for that deep ball. Broncos are going to have to figure something out in terms of the efficiency side of offense, whether that be the run game or the quick pass game. What is it going to be? I don't know, but they're going to have to figure something out in that regard. Well, and if the Chargers, you know, for all the talk about Justin Herbert, who does will put up some yards, they ran for 240. Now, Cleveland's rush defense hasn't been great. The Falcons lit them up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but they ran for 240 on this. How confident are you in the 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 again, if you're going eight three and out eight different times over the course of the game, nobody's run defense is gonna hold up for four quarters. So you're going to have to get some help from your offense. But how confident are you on this defense and being able to shut down that Chargers running game? Broncos defense has been good enough there this year outside of the Chargers, uh, the excuse me, the Raiders game that I'm not super worried. But my worry goes from, let's say, a three to a seven if uh, Josie Jewell is out, which is probably likely. But the fact that he was, you know, even on the side of the field working out gives me a little bit of hope there. So. Uh, we'll see with that one. You have another week here. Jonas Griffith is that much healthier. Alex Singleton has been okay there. And Justin Simmons coming back as well. You talked about that. Uh, he should be back in this game, supposedly, which should help some of the big runs. So I'm somewhat worried, but that seems more of an aberration. You look at some of the metrics. The Browns have just an absolutely horrific run defense so far this season. I think the Broncos at least are going to be competent there. But Purcell and Jewel being injured should have you a little bit worried. Yeah, again, the injuries are yeah. – th- that's one of the parts. It's like, okay, what are the bright sides on this? The injuries hurt, obviously, You know, no pun intended. Okay, well, if we have a bad season, oh, well, can't go there either. The, the drafts are in Seattle. You know, that's part of the part – Part of the problem with this this team is like you've got to count on this team getting better with internal fixes right now, and part of that will be hopefully getting some of these guys healthy. Justin Simmons is a bigger loss than we think. Um, it's just been kind of overshadowed by how poor the offense has been. So, can it get better? Uh, absolutely. Uh, was that was that Barney that came in? Yeah, I want to say thanks again to Barney uh, Fubble again coming in uh, coming in orange. Uh, yeah. No, I saw someone else come in here, Nick. Um, I think it was Maddie on uh, on Facebook says we need to re-sign Alexander Johnson to help an inside linebacker. We talked before, and now I'm more convinced than ever that if this was going to happen, it would have happened before. He's been available, still available. So why has this guy gotten blackballed from from the league? Is he asking for too much money? Because we know some of the off, the off the field stuff isn't always a problem. Uh, if you're willing to be good enough at the right price. So is he just, you know, listen, I don't need the money. 
Um, I'm okay sitting out and watching in my 30s now instead of being in the wrong situation for, you know, signing for a million. You know, no thanks. I don't want to put my body through that. I'd rather spend time with my family. Yeah, I have no idea anything that I would say on why Alexander Johnson hasn't been signed yet would be guesswork. I thought he was okay there, you know, extremely limited in the pass game, but okay as a blitzer and solid run defender, but on the wrong side of 30, does have the checkered past, uh, which caused him to, you know, come into the league pretty late and still out there. So it's not just the Broncos who are, you know, saying no thank you to him. It's 31 other teams. And if he's, you know, a competent linebacker that's worthy of snaps, you'd expect somebody to at least pick him up or, you know, right. for him to bounce around uh, practice squads and whatnot. And there's just been crickets with him. So I don't know. It's one of those things where something, something seems uh, stinky there that I'm not sure what's going on. And I don't want to even guess at uh, what it is. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's mutual at this point, you know, where uh, I'm not, you're not, you're not reaching. He doesn't have to play, you know, he's hopefully he's taking care of his money and he doesn't need the money. Um, and you've got to come up with the right price to get hit to to entice him to play. Yep, yep, hundred percent. So uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, yeah, no, a few more um, news days. So, what are your expectations here for? Uh, we kind of glossed over this one. You have Billy Turner coming back. We talked about that. You have Ojemudia, but the other ones we haven't really talked about. Ojemudia coming back and uh, Greg Dulcich going back. So I guess the first one is this cornerback spot uh, opposite of Patrick Sertan going mm-hmm. forward, probably going to be Ojemudia getting the first crack. Now I thought Mathis looked better in limited action in preseason than Ojemudia. And I say that wearing my Iowa shirt. So I'm not super, I I guess really take me for that. Um, but uh, expectations for Ojemudia. What are you looking for here? Opposite of Sertan. Do you expect the coverages to change because of this uh, mm. stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you leave Kwan Williams where he is. Um, you know, it don't, don't weaken two spots. Mm-hmm. He's been playing pretty well in the slot. And I really like his, his, uh, I like his work against the run when he's left kind of on the edge by himself over there. I think he does a good job as a, you know, whatever you, you probably know the technical term for it, but when he lines up in the slot, he ends up becoming an edge defender also, and he does mm-hmm. a good job over there. So, um, I think it, it's going to be very, very helpful that Justin Simmons is coming back at the same time. So if I can move that guy over and we're going to move this chatter right on out of here. Uh, sorry for that on YouTube, y'all. Um, I want Justin Simmons to help out over there while, while Ojemudi is getting his, his, his feet wet and getting back comfortable because, again, he missed all of last year and then he was out early. So we haven't seen Ojemudi since September of 2021 for the most part and certainly not a fully healthy one. So it's going to take him some time. Hopefully Justin Simmons is going to come back full full speed, you know, quad injury there too, um, that I want him to have a little bit of help. I want to roll my coverages over a little bit and trust Sertan more than ever to, to man up somebody so I can free up my safeties a little bit. And this might be putting the cart before the horse. You know, we're still kind of reacting to all the injury news uh, coming out today and still the Colts game for me processing, whatever the hell we just watched there. But, uh, you have two pretty good wide receivers for the Chargers uh, coming up here, and it really is a pick-your-poison here with Mike Williams and assuming uh, Keenan Allen is going to play. What do you think about uh, that matchup? What are you doing there if you're Azure Evero? Is it size or the uh, 
craftiness uh, that you're using Sertan against, or is it you know one side of the field? Uh, it would be one side of the field for me. Now, do, do does it, now how is he? And I don't know the answer to this, so this is a, a question. Um, you know, is he more comfortable boundary, you know, or field? Is he more comfortable left or right? Wherever he is more comfortable, I'm gonna say that's where Sertan is, and you know the. It, I think it's a I think it's a true story, but you know the first meeting that Deion Sanders is in with the Dallas Cowboys, they're going through some scheme, and he like stops it. Hold up, hold up, hold up, and he walks up and he circles a receiver. He goes, "I got this guy," and that was basically it. I'm done. That's kind of how I would use Pat Sertan in this. You know, if I need my best player to step up and be my best player, so I can mask some deficiencies in other places. So where is he going to be best? Where is he going to be most comfortable? That's where I want him. And it, if it's okay, I want you to take, you know, um, Mike Will or you know, who's who's the other number one guy, Mike Williams. Um, I feel like I just watched Mike Williams. Is that Mike Evans with Tampa Bay? Who's the Tampa Bay big receiver? I just Mike saw. Evans. Mike Evans, yeah. Uh I was like, if is it is it do you want do you want this guy? And this is your this is gonna be your matchup the whole game. Are you more comfortable here or are you more comfortable on this side of the field, open end, closed end, or whatnot? Where do you want to be? And then I'm adjusting from there. That that's how I'm setting it up. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, I, I would imagine that you're going to play a lot of if you do play cover one, which the Broncos have done a lot. Uh, cover one man. It's more of a man concept for those at home. Uh, rushing five. Then you will see a single high safety that will tend to shade over to the other side of the field, putting more coverage onus on uh, Sertan. You know, the safety moving away um, from that side or the robber a safety and a cover three look kind of coming down closer to help Ojemudia with the deep safety on Sertan's side. So we'll be interested to watch that, especially in the all 22 when we get a better angle than what they tend to show on the broadcast TV. Uh, we got Denny Grux coming in here, or Denny Gruex, $10 saying offensive line is the primary problem so far this season. Wilson may be rushing his decision process, may be rushed due to perceived and real pressure. Unfortunately, no relief in sight. I think there is some relief in sight. The Broncos have 11 days to kind of work things through and hopefully further. It's the mini bye week and not only they have an extra day as well, because it's going from Thursday to Monday night. So that should help them uh, in theory a good bit. And you have two offensive linemen that should be injected back into the offensive line here. And it's losing Garrett Bowles hurts a lot, but he was not playing at a great level so far this season. I would say probably closer to league average. So I think there is some relief in sight, but the offensive line does have to definitely play better. But Russ would be the first to tell you that he's got to play better too. He's missing reads. He's looking at the wrong guys. He's locking in on targets. He's getting to the check down uh, really quickly. Now, some of that because he's trying to protect his shoulder, doesn't trust what he's seen, doesn't trust the scheme. I mean, God, you'd have to be with the, be with meet with him in a shrink uh, to get through all of that. But uh, the offensive line is definitely something that could, uh, stand to improve greatly and that should help the Broncos fortunes in every aspect third down offense red zone offense if they can run the ball a little bit better and be more efficient there that should open up more chunk plays and play action etc 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 yeah Denny appreciate you coming in I feel like that's another new name so we got some new folks coming in on uh, on a Tuesday night for with us so uh thanks thanks for coming in and, and Denny if you go back and if you just joined us if you watch I, I, I agree with you I, I've said the same thing um it's, it's not really fair that you know you could point to well i don't think it's the offensive line because of this and i'm going to say well that's being caused by the offensive line so it's it's one of those where we can't debate because i'm going to have the same answer every time well you're you're weak on the ol so that happens um so 
I agree with you 100%. But as Nick said, and I do agree, there is reason for optimism. There is reason for change. You've got some guys. Again, I mentioned Luke Wattenberg. You know, mm-hmm. after two months in the league, he, he's not a rookie anymore. What can he do? You know, can he be better than what you've got at, at Cushenberry? What is Natane Muti doing right now in the background is to, to improve? Um, Billy Turner, Tom Compton, Quinn Miners. There's five that we just said that have the chance of being better than what you have. And, and as you said, Nick, and I kind of want to just put it another way, is it was with the, the war is a, a good stat that I love for baseball, the wins above replacement. It works better for baseball because you've got 162-game sample size. I got good news and bad news for you, left tackle. The good, the the the, the bad news is Garrett Bowles is lost for the season. The good news is he wasn't playing all that great to begin with. His WAR would probably be zero, which means you're not his his above average level replacement is is even. So if you can get an average level replacement, you're not really missing Garrett Bowles as much as if he was playing at a much higher level. That's the good news. The it's kind of a, a double-edged sword here, a poison, poison chalice. Mm-hmm. It's good news, but that you're not losing a whole lot there, but you were losing at the line because he wasn't playing great. Now, I don't think he was playing that bad, honestly. Yeah. But, you know, uh, we said before, a lot of the sacks I see come from his side were on the quarterback uh, holding the Her ball coverage. too long. Yeah. We'll find out. We're going to find out real quickly how how much different it is to not have Garrett Bowles, unfortunately. Yep, and somebody's got to step up. Uh, that's just how football is, and unfortunate for the Broncos, they are going to have to deal with this hand again this season. But again, some guys coming back. Final Before we get on out of here, last thing I want to talk about, expectations for third-round rookie pick uh, Greg Dulcich coming back here. Uh, the Broncos have, let's see, uh, Eric Saubert is nursing some sort of injury, was uh, on the sideline working with guys today. So there's another guy that uh, potentially some snaps there. Albert Okwebenam had a couple big plays week one in the past game, but kind of just been a, it's like you're playing poker, but two of your cards are facing the opponent. Or what is it? Is it called Indian poker? Maybe that's not. The I love that most game. PC. I, okay. It, but that it's hilarious. You're probably not allowed to call it Indian poker, but yeah. that's what we called. It was Indian poker. Uh, poker where you show it your cards on your head. That's kind of like when you have Albert Okwebenam out there, nobody else is playing that, but here you are. Oh, it's a pass. Um, so Broncos tight ends have not been great. Andrew Beck, Punting balls off his foot. Eric Tomlinson not being as good of a blocker as we'd hoped and dropping balls as well. And then have I named them all? I guess. God, who knows? Uh, but Dulcich coming back, you're typically rookie tight ends. Take a bit, especially ones that have missed as much as he has uh, so far this season. But God, the return on the tight end so far this season has been so low. Can it get better with Dulcich coming back? Yes. Yeah, I can. Um, it- and, and we said it's a tell when based on certain personnel, but I, I'm, I'm thinking of him as you're, you're bringing him in as a slot receiver. Uh, okay. Where I don't need him to know the entire playbook. I need him to know a route tree. I'm going to, I'm going to send him out and okay, you've got this guy block this guy on this play. Uh, it shouldn't be overly complicated. He can be a big receiver. And, and Dylan comes and he says, fans are going to have too high a hopes for Dulcich as a rookie coming off an injury because you're, you are, you're, you're grasping at straws at this point. Do I think three catches for 45 yards on average is too much to ask for for a, a rookie tight end? I don't. I don't. Russell Wilson's throwing the ball about 40 freaking times a game. It's it's he's on he's on pace for a career high. Uh, so being able to go five targets, three catches for you know 40 yards, 
it would be a big step in the right direction. It would be a big help to have that big, you know, a, a, another big target. And I don't think those are unrealistic expectations. If he's healthy, if he, if he's healthy. Yeah. If he's healthy, definitely want him to step up and should help the Broncos offense just a little bit. And just if he catches the ball, it's going to be help. Um, Garth Knight coming in with probably our last super chat today before we wrap it on up $5 saying, I believe Richard Sherman on the sideline for Amazon was in Russ's head. Hate to admit that he can be affected by such a wanker, but he is human. I think the shoulder bothered him more than Richard Sherman on the sideline, but uh, who knows? Uh, we got another day. He's got a injection in his shoulder. I can't even remember what the acronym was here. I'm supposed to be the medical science guy here. He got some or something. Yeah. Some sort of platelet thing. So hopefully it helps him. Um, We'll see. And hopefully this Broncos offensive line and run game can start to their play on the tape can reflect their metrics that we saw this season to or from the season so far that can help him not to have to play hero ball this game. And, you know, from how about a second and two for once? Oh my God, I'm sweating thinking about it. It'd be amazing. Uh, Kevin Gray coming in too, saying hi, Scott and Nick Broncos country. I think everybody's got hyped uh, that people are more disappointed. Uh, been a fan since 1968 Denver Broncos for life expectations and when failing to reach them does lead to some issues. And also Patrick said, please remember coffee is for closers. Absolutely. Line coffee got my cup in the background there. And, uh, God, I Scott, I'm at the point now where like I go to bed and I get excited, like thinking about coffee in the, in the morning. Is that, is that, <laughs> so, so what do you do in your life? I want to drink coffee and watch, you know, live in London and watch soccer. Uh, that's, that's, those are my, those are my goals when I grow up. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know now it's I want to watch I want to drink coffee and watch my kids play sports, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah it's uh, Patrick's been been great for us so it's it's been a it's been a fun show appreciate you uh, you having me on glad I was was able to to uh, to hop in tonight and there was still plenty to talk about for sure where I didn't feel like we were completely repeating ourselves um, oh, no. I know I've been harsh and repetitive about the offensive line but when we're when we're going to be talking about what is ailing these Denver Broncos when those questions keep coming up I'm going to keep coming back to the number one issue for me and that's that's the OL and again I rattled off five names that can come in and change things up a little bit uh was it time to panic it's time for a change it's time for drastic changes there's five names hopefully we'll see three of those guys here in the very near future at least to to change things up some yeah no, absolutely. And I don't think it's been repetitive. I don't think we even talked that much about the same things on both shows just because there was enough today with the injury news. So uh, appreciate you guys coming in. We appreciate your achy dragon saying let's ride. Uh, we love that Mr. Unlimited as well coming in from McGill G and uh, Patrick saying maybe the offensive line some gets, should get some coffee. They need something there just to maybe put a little bit of something extra in the coffee there. Uh, but we appreciate you guys so much. Make sure you're following Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at Scout Kennedy. I am at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you're following us at, uh, I guess, BTB Football Pod and BFB underscore pod as well, because it's Broncos building the Broncos breakfast for dinner, uh, Bronco Football Pod. I don't know. Just keep throwing words in there. Also, follow us at Mile High Huddle. If you haven't done so yet, join us at uh, Facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle Pod and Facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle. And as the ticker shows there underneath, please, if you're joining us on YouTube today, uh, subscribe, like, and share. That helps go helps us go a long way. There's a lot of great Broncos football contributors out there, but we like to think we do it a little bit different and a little bit better than everyone else, and that's mainly because of you guys and the constant interaction, driving the chat, uh, running, I mean, honestly, running the show. So we appreciate you guys so much. If you haven't subscribed, like, and share yet, uh, please do so to help us uh, so we can continue to bring you these shows. 
Scott, congrats on Chelsea today. Sorry about the Braves. I also saw that the Mariners had their hearts torn out. Um, I'm having a hard time. You know, I want to jump on the Mariners bandwagon because it's fun out here and whatnot. I'm still sad about my Cardinals getting bounced, but also the Mariners are guilty by association of the Seahawks. And I'm bitter about the Russell Wilson fan aspect, and I'm bitter about 2013 still. So I don't know if I can fully do it, but uh, I digress. The, uh, the Atlanta Braves are defending World Series champion. That's going to hold me for a while. Good. I'll, I'll be okay with that one. Um, hopefully they, they got a little bit of momentum coming back uh, like they did, you know, and still losing, but it's a short series. So it gets real dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, and Chelsea going in champions league champions league is such a cool competition um, mm-hmm. that uh, that was a little, little bit of a dodgy call that helped get them um, on, on the board. But uh, that's it for the, it's it for the, the soccer talk. The soccer talk is ended. Yeah. Man, Scott says dodgy. He just immediately code switches for the the soccer talk there. He's going <laughs> to hop on his soccer uh, Twitter account here real quick. But appreciate you guys. Uh, we'll see you later. Make sure you guys are choosing kindness and compassion. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.